This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download or purchase this book. The Philosophy of the Christian Curriculum, Russus J. Rushtuni, Ross House Books, Vallecito, California. Part 4 Chapter 2 Student Problems If we begin with false premises, we will consistently misunderstand and falsify every problem we face. Instead of solving our problems, we will aggravate them. The state schools are increasingly incompetent in dealing with problems of delinquent behaviour because they begin with false premises. As a result, they fail to grasp the nature of the problem which confronts them. At the end of the 1960s, the Committee on Violence of the Department of Psychiatry, Stanford University School of Medicine, studied the problem of violence in the modern world. Never once in their symposium on violence and the struggle for existence did they consider sin as the root cause of violence. Instead, in evolutionary terms, they saw it as an aspect of man's struggle to adapt and cope with his environment. In fact, they saw as a, quote, significant, end quote, contributing factor to social violence, all restrictions on and, quote, punishment of extramarital intercourse, end quote. In other words, Christian moral standards promote violence. Such opinions, tracing delinquency and violence to environmental or evolutionary factors, are commonplace. A professing Christian, a principal of a state school, tried to tell me that all delinquency was to be traced to either environment or to heredity. When I cited numerous examples that gave the lie to his thesis, including one of a girl born in a most amazingly depraved family, though raped repeatedly by family members and visitors as a child and as a teenager, became a happy Christian woman and mother after her conversion. He declared that it was, quote, illegitimate, end quote, to introduce theology into social problems. If God's word and power do not govern every area of life, then he is not God. The root problem in all delinquency, at whatever age, is always sin. In any case of unrepentant sin, the Bible gives the church a clear-cut duty. Excommunication. Quote, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. End quote. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7. St. Paul is here describing the necessity under God to purge out the delinquents, the sinners. His words apply to every Christian institution, the school as well as the church. It was the custom of Orthodox Judaism, now less practiced than before, to follow this practice, which has deep roots in the Old Testament, in the family. The service of the dead was read for any apostate member, and until he repented, he was, to all practical intent, regarded as dead. All too many Christian schools limp badly because of their disobedience at this point to Scripture. By failing to cast out the unrepentant, they allow the corruption of the whole body of children. It is important, moreover, for us to recognize what repentance means in the Bible. The word in Greek is metanoia. It means a turnaround, a change of life, of direction, of thought and behavior. Repentance in the Bible is not a matter of merely saying, quote, I repent, unquote, or, or quote, I'm sorry, end quote, but means a total change of life, from sin and ungodliness to faith and righteousness. 
The instruction in a Christian school is in terms of that life of faith and righteousness and service to God by means of that knowledge. There is a legitimate place for unbelievers' children in a Christian school, but there is no place for a delinquent child, no matter whose home he comes from. In some instances, the sinning child comes from the home of a church officer, pastor, and sometimes even a Christian school teacher. In any and every case, the integrity of the school requires a firm handling of the problem and, if necessary, expulsion. The most common excuse given by parents is that somehow it is the teacher's fault and that, quote, the teacher doesn't understand my child, end quote. But these arguments must be dealt with firmly. First, no teacher is perfect, and hence no teacher is faultless in dealing with a child. This is beside the point. The pupil has a responsibility to be obedient and responsive in the classroom, irrespective of the teacher, and the parent has an obligation to require this of his or her child. Second, it is not the teacher's duty to, quote, understand, end quote, the child, but to teach the child. Very few, if any, of my teachers understood me, and sometimes it was painful. However, they all taught me, and I was the gainer. Moreover, the parents need to be told firmly but kindly that there is a difference between defending their child and helping their child. The child is often best defended from sin by being chastened. We help our children most when we compel them to see that they must conform to God's standard, not the world's or theirs. At school, the child and parents all suffer when a child's sin is not dealt with scripturally. A young man with a very high IQ born of two brilliant parents, is today living on a meagre income which requires supplementing by a working wife. He flunked out of college. His parents, because of their prominence in Christian circles and their willful obstinacy in defending their son, were never willing to face the truth about their son and almost no Christian school teacher dared do so. The one who did was not backed by the principal and pastor. The result is a wasted life to bitter parents and a number of years of misery for some teachers. In this case, the child's sin was compounded by the parents, the teachers, principal and pastor. All sinned against the Lord and against other children whose learning was disrupted by a willful child. We sin if we do not confront sin as sin. We sin if we excuse sin and call it such things as, quote, hyperactivity, end quote. The sin of a child should not be an occasion for sin by the school staff. The Lord does not bless us for our sins, but for our faithfulness. It was Adam's sin that led to man's fall and misery. Sin is still our basic problem. A Christian school must not be delinquent in dealing with the problem of sin. The most common reasons for failure to deal with sin in students are, first, fear of financial loss. The financial loss can be real, But the question is one of priorities. Which is more important, the financial return or the blessing of the Lord and the welfare of the school? In the long run, moreover, a school which tolerates sin will suffer financially. Second, there is a fear of the parents, usually because they are people of note in the community. If we are governed by such a fear, then we will be governed by these people in the school. We will forfeit authority in the school to spoil children and the parents they control. Third, there is the fact of moral cowardice. Dealing with difficult problems is usually painful. 
but the consequences of moral cowardice are far more painful. Sin is man's basic problem. We cannot escape dealing with it in ourselves or in any area of life. The Christian school must always be prepared to cope with it. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.